You are at war with yourself and likely don't realize it. Your thoughts, beliefs, habits, and actions often sabotage you. Are they helping you overcome adversity or setting you up for failure? To win this battle, you must connect with your inner warrior. We all have a warrior within us, one that strengthens our resolve and helps us to rise to meet life's challenges. If you're just surviving rather than thriving, then it's time to embrace the warrior archetype, live the warrior ethos, and ascend. If you are a veteran, first responder, or someone looking to take charge of your life, find your tribe, and then be the hero of your own story, this podcast is for you. Join Mike Kinney and Matt Hastings, two retired U.S. Army officers who served in U.S. Army Special Operations and Army Aviation Units as they share with you optimal performance practices they learned in their time with the Military and Warriors Ascent, a 501c3 nonprofit that helps veterans and warriors with PTS. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to the Warriors Ascent podcast with your hosts, Mike and Matt. And the uh, topic the topic for today is healing and tending the mind so we feel this to be absolutely integral to i'll say mental health and well-being uh healing for that matter but then also high performance as well you know and matt and i we've got i'll say plenty of anecdotes you know wherein that is held true no so uh really in a nutshell one of the major facets of the Warriors Ascent program, you know, for healing is the, what, what I'll call the metacognitive thinking about your thinking, right? So we give our participants a variety of metacognitive rubrics and we'll, we'll go over a few um, that we find to be exceedingly useful. But really in the end, it's about healing and disciplining the mind. Um, and in application, um, really what it is that we're looking to be for all intents and purposes are warriors of the mind. So in terms of, I'll say philosophy and stoicism, you know, hearkening back to Marcus Aurelius and, uh, you know, a lot of the stoic philosophers, people tend to think, you know, philosophers are nerds, uh, <laughs> or at least maybe in today's day and age. But uh, back then, uh, you know, philosophy was, was readily applied. Right? So the, the, the Stoic philosophers, as an example, used everything that they learned and applied it to their daily lives to live you know, fulfilling and wholesome lives. And our pursuit is no, no different. So the first rubric we're going to talk about is uh, we, we've borrowed it from Daniel Kahneman's Thinking Fast and Slow. And what he talks about are systems one and two thinking. And uh, this is a very important construct because it really kind of lends insight into how your mind works, how it processes thoughts, and how that impacts your uh, emotions, actions, all of that. So just to kind of make that real, system one and system two thinking. So system one is really intuitive, fast, automatic, effortless, emotional, and efficient. So really, in essence, what you're talking about there are habits, routines, um, learned patterns of behavior that you've experienced and learned throughout your entire life, you know, to include childhood and even up through adulthood. So these are things that happen automatically, the thoughts, you know, or, or the habits that you don't have to think about. Um, and, you know, I'll, I'll defer to Matt shortly about, you know, some 
some of his military anecdotes that I think will hit that concept home. But uh, system two, on the other hand, are your logic and reasoning, right? So that's slow, conscious, deliberate, effortful, logical, and explicit. So think in terms of uh, mathematical computation. It's onerous, very, I'll say, energy intensive. Everyone rolls their eyes when it's like, solve this problem. And you're left like, oh my God, this is going to take so much energy and work. I'd rather just guess at an answer. Um, well, you know, there, there's a reason for that because it is very effortful. So it's been said that system two is lazy system two. It more often than not, than not wants to defer to system one because it's intuitive. It's, it's a snapshot. It's, it's relatively easy. Um, but there are instances where that serves you well. And, uh, you know, Matt and I both have examples in the military where our system one has taken over and I'll say averted near disaster. But there are also instances where system one fails you. Those learned patterns of behavior, um, they don't serve you well. Those are, are habits and practices not learned properly, and uh, they're resulting in, I'll say, suboptimal patterns of behavior. So that's the, that's the framework, the abstract logical framework. Um, I'd ask Matt to make it real with some, some military anecdotes, if you would. I mean, some of the things for the, like the system one discussion is uh the army was incredibly good especially army aviation in making us do repetition and and it was you know at first you're like why why do we have to memorize so much stuff um and we would have the emergency emergency procedures where they were underlined in huge amounts of just memorizing these and in the instructor pilots if you got one letter wrong they would you fail the whole thing because it's an emergency procedure it's so important and you know we just the same thing was true when we when we did emergency procedures first we drill it just talking at the table and then we'd go into a simulator where now we're like taking our hands and doing things with controls and buttons and switches and we do it so much and finally you're in the aircraft with an instructor pilot and he's you know we're simulating things we're doing real things to the point where it's just so ingrained in you that you don't notice it but there's times you know suddenly flying along in a helicopter for instance and you need to know this you need to react quickly when the lot's going on and i had a big story i don't know if this is the time to no please yeah share all right it's an iraq story <laughs> um you know and this is one of those things we we're doing really complicated missions in the middle of the desert so we had a very uh experienced crews. I was a CW3 that had been selected for CW4 waiting my turn. And the next guy next to me was the CW3. And both of us had flown a lot together in this environment. We uh, had flown, you know, put ground forces in to an objective area. And we hang around as long as we can in case they need an emergency exfil. But we needed to go get fuel. And it was kind of a distance ago. So we were flying across this desert. Nothing to see. I mean... You can't tell sky from ground from nothing. It's just MVG green. That's all you could tell. Right. And um, suddenly, the rotor system makes this terrible noise and nothing but red in the panel in front of us. And when your instruments turn red, that's, that's not, not good. good. That's not good. Well, the Army's, <laughs> you know, we're not, we're pretty smart, but red, green, and yellow, that, that, that makes some color coding happen. So we see all this red, and I just remember thinking, in my brain going, holy crap, what am I going to do with this? But when I recognized, my hand was already up on this power control lever. 
and I was pulling it back and I was manipulating this thing to control the engines, control the rotor system all the while, you know, I was just like, holy cow, I'm actually already doing this. And then I looked up and we we're about to crash into the ground. And I noticed my <laughs> other pilot was also watching <clears throat> and thinking, and I said, who's flying? And he's, you know, he corrected and we flew out of there and like, holy cow, we both were so ingrained in what was happening that we weren't paying attention to the easy stuff. But the reason I think that it was hard because at the same time, we had a bigger problem. We had troops on the ground. Right. We needed fuel. We had an emergency that said land right now, but we can't land right now. This is bad guy territory. We got to get somewhere where we're safe. We got to get somewhere where we can get somebody else to get our ground force out of there. You know, we got, we got bigger problems. And so we're doing multiple, you know, problem sets at once. But that, I'm going to tell you that system one in that repetition and rehearsal, it just was, you know, life-saving. Well, it's, it's energy saving and it's a survival mechanism because if you had to think deliberately, but every action that you needed to take to save your life, um, you'd, be, you'd be killed. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and no, no difference in the level that they trained you doing a complex operation like flying an aircraft, you know, that they ingrained those, those I'll say, perfect practices in you. So please continue. So, and so, and this is one of those things where that really worked out well. You know, we talk about, hey, that one served me well. Um, when is a time that we recognize as warriors, you know, cause, so we talked about in, earlier that that was a reason that we would want that to, um, up our performance level to have maximum performance. Um, another thing we'd want to do is heal our mind. So as we're now in a different part of our life cycle as warriors, and I said earlier, warrior at rest, trying to figure out how to have value and purpose, um, you know, sometimes these things aren't serving as well. And, and that's kind of where we get in trouble and we have to recognize it. And I think, I think some of the things we talk about is taking that same intensity level driving, for instance, I still, I know I still struggle with this. I know I still see, you know, nobody pays attention to the rules. Nobody's paying, following the laws and the procedures. And as a, as a guy who goes, you know, we used to go through annual, check rides, we call them evaluations to see if we're still doing it right. If we still know our rules, we're following them properly, super hard, super stressful stuff. And then you look at a, a regular car driver and they could be driving a car 25 years with only having one test ever in the very beginning. So it, it, you know, we talked about it. It's, it's, it can be maddening to watch other people, um, not be within procedure, not be within whatever so road rage is a tough one for me and i think it's a tough one for others yeah i mean i think a lot of that stems from just expectations expectation management and all that stuff mm -hmm. you know that you've had to you know operate at a high level um and uh you know the units that you've been in you've had that expectation of other people but to that point you you talked about uh, you know when we discussed before the uh instructor pilots making sure you know, whether you, when, when you were one and then when, when you were being instructed mm -hmm. that they took great pains to make sure that you did everything correctly. So yeah. we'll say for the sake of argument, you know, your system too, where they make you go through all your check rides, all of your maneuvers, all of that, making sure that you did it to the letter of the law, um, to ingrain those habits. And we talked about before, it's not, you know, practice makes perfect. It's perfect practice makes perfect. That's exactly right. And that's, 
that's what you want because so another thing we should say this was the psychobabble stuff they called it when we were going through instructor pilot course and they would say that it was um the law of primacy they called that and what it really just means is if you learn something wrong in the beginning like you just discussed then it is unbelievably hard to unlearn that in fact near impossible so There's what we want to do is ensure that that initial learning is correct and that it's cr just like you said perfect practice right uh, and and we we're really really strict on it and, and i've had so many cases where i was in an aircraft with a lot going on and oh my gosh what's happening and you know automatic responses take over and i fix the aircraft and then you have time to think things through and and you're kind of mostly doing this simultaneously so um you know it's it's an incredible skill and it's also <laughs> something that can that we have to watch out for right when we, we because what do we always say we that we bring the warrior to the right scenario is what we're trying to do right no absolutely but in as much as you know system one and system two you know the army says train as you fight you know what's the other saying um you don't rise to the occasion you fall to the lowest level of your training all to say that if you don't learn this properly if you don't train for say adversity or contingencies i know we talked about that you know the, the whole pace plan that was big in the special forces yeah. primary alternate contingency and emergency yes. and again that's all just disciplining your mind you know the what if what if this goes on you know what if this goes wrong but having those ingrained in you properly and you know call them battle drills you know um just battle react drills. to ambush near and far you know react to you know indirect fire blah 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 you know things that you're not doing deliberate planning you know, it's not writing an op order. It's not ranger well, school that. bay planning. It's it's. You guys would go into ninety six hours of isolation planning. Talk about that a little bit. So yeah, in special forces, uh, I'll, I'll say planning was absolutely critical. I mean, everything from area studies, um, you know, to get regional area orientation, language immersion, you name it. Um, you know, we would never go off half cocked or haphazard when going into country. So planning. I will say was part of the the organizational culture um so that was very important um and ranger school same way you would do your bay planning you know operations order and it would be nats has detail you know crazy stuff where people are on the perimeter who's manning the you know the crew served weapon you name it and you had everything contingencies you said that pace for everything like for your communications for, for LZs, LZs, PZs, yeah, you know, combo. Yeah, that where the helicopter's going to pick me up, where it's going to drop me off. Right. And that's what we did, too. You know, I would have yep. five different places to land you, and all of them were event-driven. If this happens, then do this. Right. You know, and those were right. amazing plans. But by the same token, so that's, you know, we'll say System 2 constructs. Right. But the System 1, you know, battle drills, you know, CQB, right? So close quarters, battle, room clearing, and stuff like that little bit of a shift you know so we went from very very deliberate to all right flow drills and you need to know where you are in the stack and what your responsibility is right. um really more reacting to 
I'll say the, the layout of the, the room or whatever it might be. No real time to deliberate and go, okay, how are we going to do this? You just need to, to know. Right. You know, so again, very system one. And I talked about battle drills as an example where somebody's shooting at you. You're not, well, geez, what do I do now? You're trained. Boom, boom. So none of this is new to our experience, I'll say, in the military. Um, where I think it's important and applicable is realizing that, as we talked about before, in your case, if you incorrectly learned those routines and procedures, your aircraft would fall out of the sky, right? I mean, so it's absolutely imperative that you learned properly, and those and those you know those instructor pilots made abundantly clear you know, what, what yeah. that standard was. Yes. Right. And we had things that were the immediate action. And it's like, that was very clear. This was what you immediately do. Just like you said, there's no thinking. It's a very similar mindset across the branches in the army. And I'm assuming in other, the military branches on how they train us to, to that standard where we, we aren't thinking really, unless we're, you know, prepping the plan we, we we used to say in the aviation community the minute you take off the plan flies out the window right because yeah. i mean there's so many variables that can change on you so but you just knew what the end state was and you knew like left and right limits and you knew how to get you know because we plan for almost everything you could think of well eisenhower you know one of my heroes and i'm paraphrasing but he would say you know the plan is nothing planning is everything. So it's kind of, I think I'll, right. I'll, I'll attribute it to, you know, Napoleon disciplining the mind of the commander, you know, meaning, all right, planning is, is the rigor with which you look at a situation and say, okay, what do I need to do? Or what if, um, and that's, you know, that's really important. No. So with regard to what it is that we're trying to, I'll say, underscore for our audience and how it's relevant to their lives. Everyone, I think, you know, you, me, so we talked about our military careers, or at least, you know, portions of them. But after the fact, we've been faced with situations, right? And, and we talked about this as well, where so much of those habits are ingrained. And it's more even just than habits, it's mindsets, uh, standards, values, um, time about living a value system you know ethics and virtues or mm -hmm. whatever like hey you will cross the line of departure on time and i know with you know task force 160 you know it's plus or minus 30 seconds no right. matter what that's, that's the we standard yeah, you know yeah, yeah. um to where you, you then bring that into the civilian world which is a little extreme but i would say for myself it's just like you, you get a little agitated when why, why aren't we on time or how come this or how come that and and you lose sight of the fact that, you know, in the military, not to be overdramatic, but sometimes lives hang in the balance. You're synchronizing assets and resources and artillery and aircraft and, and all of these things. And if you, you mess that up, you know, things can go very poorly, very quickly. And if you're not, I'll say, attuned enough to realize that, well, you know, you don't need to bring the warrior to every situation, as we've talked about before. And it's similarly that same mindset. It's like you don't have to be absolutely time on target to everywhere that you're going, yeah. and 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 having yeah. you know the, the wherewithal to say, all right, I'm getting worked up, or or trying to uphold a standard. You know those ingrained system one habits that quite frankly don't necessarily 
apply here. I know. And I, you know, I used to say, well, gosh, these are all good things to help you out. Like backwards planning. You got to get to the airport for a flight. It's at this time. You know, they want <laughs> right. you there at this time. Right. We just backwards plan to the, all the way to waking up and breakfast and everything. And what, and you know, a lot of people don't want to go through this planning sequence right. with you. Right. And they just kind of want to be like, no, I mean, you get to the airport and just, and I mean, it's like, wow. When we show up, it's all going to be good. And, and, you know, to be fair, many times that is that is the case i mean right. there are the quote unquote the no fail missions you know we've all been on those and even you know i'll say life after the army there's certain things that you don't want to be late for you know or you know other important things that i'll say our our military upbringing has served us well meeting certain standards but again having the wherewithal to say okay am i getting worked up over something that really is I'll say inconsequential or not that big of a deal, or am I trying to uphold a standard that really, quite frankly, does not apply here? And it's causing me a lot of friction, both internal angst where I'm getting really worked up or even friction with friends and family and coworkers where they're like, why is it that this guy is so hard to work with? Or, oh my God, he's just really strict or whatever it might be. Well, then I had written down a trigger. Let's say something zapped you a little bit like we were saying what well, if you're driving along the highway and you see a pile of trash and you're the only person in the car that suddenly you know it's not a bomb a roadside bomb but for some reason here comes like this little bit of adrenaline and you're just trying to i don't know maybe you just see it you how do you deal with it you know you know that that's system one you know again those ingrained habits it's hard. And it's not something that you can really control. So you've got to have a mechanism, you know, in, in which you think recognizing the scenario you're in is, is majorly important. Right. And, and, applying- not, and not dealing with those newfound, like, triggered emotions because, and I think we're going to talk more about this when we finally get to CBT training and right. actions, thoughts, emotions. No, but, it, you know, what we've said early on, you don't need to bring the warrior to every situation, which is important. But to your point, when you're saying, you know, is there a way to remedy or address this? So for those that are, you know, listening, if in your mind, you're conceptualizing instances where, yeah, no, I, I, I do. I, I get into a particular situation. I always have the same argument with, with, with my wife or husband or a coworker neighbor, kids, doesn't matter. Or these certain situations stress me out, um, or I find myself getting very agitated or even despondent, whatever it might be. Um, you know, I, I would recommend, you know, kind of look at that pattern of behavior. And as we've pointed out, system one is certainly not all bad. In many instances, it's a life-saving measure. And at the very least, a, an energy conservation measure. I mean, having deliberate thought and calculations, very onerous. So I know that's kind of the shortcut. But bottom line is, if there are instances where you're like, I keep on falling into these recurring patterns of behavior where it does not end well for me, what am I doing? I would look at those system one patterns, those routines, and say, okay, I need to make some changes. And you know, Kahneman will say the only thing that can help you rope, reprogram system one is system two, right? Your, your deliberate thinking. And there are a few techniques that we teach at Warriors Ascent to do that. What one is called pre-commitments, meaning 
you know, plan ahead. If you know that, hey, when I'm faced with this situation, you know, I typically don't respond well. And here's why. Or certain people trigger me. We've all run into those types oh, yeah. of people. You're like, whenever I have a discussion with this dude or dudette, I just want to strangle them, you know, and you realize it's not going to be fruitful. What can you do? What are the alternate thoughts or, or how can you plan ahead with contingencies, as we've right. talked about before, to say, you know, when that happens, I'm going to do this. And, and there's related to that something they call if-then implementation intention. So that for the computer programmers out there, little Boolean logic, right? If-then, yeah. right? If I'm faced with said situation or person or scenario, whatever it might be, then this is what I'm going to do. Call it an alternate thought, an alternate action, an alternate co course of action. Um, because now you're planning ahead. And in, in dialectical behavior therapy, they call that coping ahead. Realizing that, hey, let me plan ahead, let me be prepared, and let me have some mechanisms or contingencies in place yeah. such that I can anticipate that, recruit my system to deliberate thinking, to take control of my system one. In those situations where really, quite frankly, system one is not serving me. So that right. would be, you know, the big takeaway, you know, well, for, you need, you know, for today, for this lesson. If you're a military planner and you are like me, used to offering three courses of action or having three different landing zones and having five different options of, you know, com, um, frequencies for communication right. if we need to. Like this is a great, this baby. is a great way to do this. Already right. think contingency levels, you know, these are the things that could happen. Here's what I'm going to do probably going to happen so i expect that to happen expectation management and i can walk into a scenario and basically go yep karen over there did make me mad and you know <laughs> i don't know what you call a male karen <laughs> kevin, kevin i think i think, I think it's, it's kevin karen and kevin, yeah, kevin you know and, then, and the hoa over there can really get to me but i'm just gonna laugh through it today you know that's or right. whatever it is so you just pre-plan i really like that as That's a right. pre, and, pre commitments cope ahead Absolutely. you know as i'm trying to take myself off of military things um yeah and it, it still is a really good way to offer up different contingencies and in, in your brain I, I like it It works for me oh, perfect man so we'll we'll cover you know the cognitive behavioral triangle which is another useful construct yes. in in another uh, podcast episode so hope this was useful it was fun. Yeah. Appreciate good. you, brother. Yeah, man. Hi, Matt Hastings here, sending a thank you for watching this episode of the Warriors Ascent podcast. You know, we strive to build a community of warriors made up of our nation's veterans and first responders, and to reach as many of those in need as possible, we need your help. Please just smash that like button and comment or share our content. Warriors Ascent is a Kansas City-based nonprofit that aids veterans and first responders with PTS. I went through this effective program and want those that are struggling to find what I found. Check us out on our website at wordsdescent.org.